Hopefully, we teach it to our children. Hopefully, we pray often, whether we actually use the specific words or not, that we will live it out. And we say fairly often that if the world would live it out, that it would be immediately changed for the better. Most commonly, it is referred to as the golden rule. And I hope you will turn in your Bibles back to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. And in fact, if you will leave your Bible open to that one opening, you'll have everything we're going to say for the most part right there in front of you in that one specific verse. As Jesus was coming near the end of the Sermon on the Mount, He gave what some have called through the years the golden rule, but what I have seen called before, and I prefer to call it, as we're calling our sermon tonight, the Everest of Ethics. This one verse is the highest of all ethical teachings. And it's a very simply worded statement that would transform all relationships if it were just followed. You may have seen this before, but it's interesting to know that other similar things had been said even before the time of Christ. Maybe the most famous before was Confucius, the Chinese philosopher, who said, Do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. And even some Jewish leaders prior to the time of Christ had similar teachings. The Talmud said, What is hateful to you, do not to your fellow man. And there was a Jewish apocryphal book called the Tabid that said, And what you hate, do not do to anyone. And other religions such as Buddhism and Jainism and others have very similar statements. But did you notice the difference in those particular statements and what Jesus said, and what we usually call the golden rule. Each one of those that I quoted to you from Confucius and the previous Jewish teachers were all on the negative side of things, basically saying what you don't want to happen to you, make sure you avoid doing those things to other people. That's not what Jesus said, is it? Jesus' teaching stands in stark contrast because He was the first to come on the scene and to turn this principle into a positive Maybe a better way of saying it is a proactive way at looking at others. Do unto others. Not don't do, but do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Other religions had taught to avoid doing evil or avoid doing harm because I don't want harm done to me. But the Everest of ethics, the golden rule, is a statement of proactive good toward others. Most in this room can quote that very foundational teaching. I want to take just a moment though, and you may have various translations in front of you, but I want to read to you the same verse, Matthew seven twelve, from five different translations, simply to show how similar they are, but also to give us maybe a little fuller meaning of this one verse. The King James translated it this way, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The Revised Standard Version put it this way, So whatever you wish that men would do to you, do so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The NIV, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. The Phillips Translation puts it this way, Treat other people exactly as you would like to be treated by them. This is the essence of all true religion. And the English Standard Version that was on the screens a few moments ago puts it this way, So whatever you wish that others others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, I didn't do that just to waste a minute of our time. 
but to see that even though they're similar, maybe you see a little bit of a difference in those translations to give us a fuller picture of what Christ had in mind when he gave the Everest of ethics, the highest ethical teaching. Back in 1976, Brother J. Noel Meredith wrote an article in the Gospel Advocate, and part of that article dealt with what he called the golden rule. And I want to read you that paragraph, if you don't mind. He said this, The golden rule is the great Christian rule of life. And then he quoted it and went on to say, This principle is the capstone of human relations, the topmost peak of social ethics, and the Everest of all ethical teaching. It is possible to find negative statements similar to this by famous Jewish teachers, but no one but Jesus ever put it in its positive form. Jesus' statement of action is positive. He taught that the essence of righteousness is the constructive doing of good, not just the negative avoidance of doing harm. Jesus' principle deals with treating men with kindness. It is the kind of compassion and mercy shown by the Good Samaritan who helped the wounded man in Luke 10. The principle is that of rendering justice, mercy, and love to all men as prescribed by the law. The Emperor Severus inscribed the golden rule on his palace and highly respected its content, but we should inscribe it on our hearts and practice it in our lives. Now, that's a long quotation, but I wanted to share it with you because I think it gets at the heart of just how important and just how deep this one verse, as we have it, this one teaching really is. It is the most valuable teaching maybe ever said. I want us to think about this one teaching tonight from three different angles. Three things about the golden rule, or as we're calling it, the Everest of ethics. We're going to look at it for its worth, its value, and its production. You may find it interesting, before we get to that, that over the years, some have actually attacked the golden rule. In fact, George Bernard Shaw one time said, Do not do unto others as you would expect they should do to you, because their tastes may not be the same. But there was a response written to that by a man named Walter Stance in a book called The Concept of Morals. He quoted Mr. Shaw, and then he said, that his saying may no doubt be a smart saying, But it seems to overlook the fact that doing as you would be done includes taking into account your neighbor's tastes as you would that he should take yours into account. Thus, the golden rule might still express the essence of a universal morality, even if no two men in the world had any needs or tastes in common. You see, it doesn't matter if you have anything in common with anybody else. You are looking out for their interests. And that's what makes this the highest peak of any ethical, moral teaching we could ever imagine. And so let's think about this one verse tonight from three different angles. First of all, notice with me tonight, the Everest of Ethics, the Golden Rule, is a priceless principle. Even within the very wording of Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, we're given how strongly Jesus felt about this one statement when He ended it by saying, this is the law and the prophets. Or the one translation I read a few moments ago, this sums up all uh, religious or ethical teaching. We might say that the golden rule is the, the rule to end all other rules. It summarizes everything else. But what makes this a priceless principle is that it would solve all ethical, moral, even sinful problems if it were followed. All of them would be solved by this one teaching. Think about what Paul said in Romans 10, 13, excuse me, 13.10 He said, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. 
Maybe more famously than that, Jesus said in John 15 and verse 13, Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. And as we often say when we quote that verse, Christ then went to the cross for us. He lived out what He taught. In fact, He lived out even greater. We'll mention that again in just a moment. When we are willing to sacrifice even our own lives, we are showing the true price, the true value, if you want to think of it that way, of the golden rule. Even some who are not Christians have realized the great value of this teaching from Jesus. Robert Milliken listed the golden rule as the first among those ideas. He said, quote, that stand out above all others in the influence they have exerted upon and are destined to exert upon the development of the human race. He said that in Forbes magazine. In a business magazine, he said, if people would simply live this principle out, it would be the highest principle possible for even that area of life. But what truly makes this principle priceless to the Christian is that we've already seen it lived out perfectly in the life of Jesus Christ. Think about those two verses we read just a moment ago. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, Paul said. When Christ came to this earth, He always did what was right to those who were around Him. Even when He disagreed with others. And even with other others were, were completely against Him. He always did what was right. He didn't always do what was easy. But He did what was right. He sought what was best. Because love does not do wrong to a neighbor. And remember the famous parable Jesus told, Who is my neighbor? And he told the Good Samaritan story. Jesus did good to those who weren't like him, who were against him, because love does no wrong to a neighbor. When Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, Christ made that one easier for us to live out, if you would pay attention to it. Because Jesus in that verse said, then that he laid down his life for his friend. But he took it many steps further. Paul would remind us in Romans chapter 5 that while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. Verse 10 tells us we were against him. Christ took it to a degree you and I never have to worry about. But we can at least show the love to our friends in laying down our life. The golden rule would make this world a much better place because it would help us all see the worth of every soul. It is priceless. Every soul is. And so we treat people... As if they are priceless. Because they are. Jesus was willing to shed His blood for every person who ever lived. And that makes this a priceless principle. Because I look for the best in every other person. Because every other person, just like me, has a soul that is loved by God to the point of His Son dying in their behalf. It is a priceless principle. Number two, the golden rule is also a preventative principle. I think this is what we most often teach when we consider the golden rule. It's one of those things we, we tell children especially, if you would just follow the golden rule, it sure would keep you out of a whole lot of trouble. It would keep prevention as part of the, uh, the, the solution here. The reason it prevents difficulty is because if we would stop for a moment and follow this Everest of ethics, we would, before making a decision, ask that very simple question, how would I want to be treated if I were in this situation? Or if I were going through these circumstances, or someone asked me that question or I needed my input, I'm always looking out for what would the other person be thinking. Husbands, why should you call or maybe text your wife if you're running late from work or held up at a meeting? Because you would want the same in return. Wives, why should you ask 
and show concern for your husband's work day, even if you think maybe it's, maybe every day just seems to be the same at his job because you want him to show you concern for your day. Parents, why should you discipline your children and, and direct them in the ways of God? Because now as adults, you know that's what's needed most in their lives. And on and on and on we could go with every possible relationship. You know, that old saying that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure is very true. And I wonder sometimes if it's not based basically upon the principle of the golden rule. Just think of some very difficult situations found in Scripture that would have been completely different, completely averted, if individuals had just considered this one principle. Revisit that story of David and Bathsheba for a moment. Do you think David would have wanted all these things to happen to him if he had just paused for a moment and said, if I were in that situation, would I want these things to happen to me, either with Bathsheba or with Uriah for that matter? Everything would have been avoided in that situation if David would have just paused for a moment and thought about, what if I were the other person? Can you imagine how much different the, the young life of Joseph would have been if his brothers had followed the golden rule? By the way, maybe Joseph should have followed it a little bit. They didn't have to hear the interpretation of those dreams all the time. But for sure, his brothers could have thought, yes, maybe our dad does hold Joseph up more highly. But if we were in his shoes, how would we want to be treated? By our own brothers. Think of how differently the life of John the Baptist would have ended up if the king had just followed the golden rule. He had made that hasty promise, which is something someone following this highest level of ethics would never do because they haven't thought about possible outcomes. And he then thought he had to follow up on it without really taking into consideration there is another person here. John the Baptist was just someone to be gotten rid of. And there are many, many others, but think of just one more. Think of how differently Jewish history would be without Esther, but consider how she rose to power. A king decided to exploit his wife. He certainly wouldn't want to be exploited in that way. And then when she refused, he simply had her removed from her role as queen. Would he want to be removed from his position of power for standing up for a conviction? Certainly not. And we could go story after story after story in the Bible. In fact, we could basically cover every Bible story you learned as a child in Sunday school. But if these people all the way through had to stop for a moment and thought about the other person and their ultimate good, how much grief would be spared? If I may put it this way, how much shorter would the Bible be? If these people had just stopped for a moment and considered the outcome of their actions. When you and I take a moment, even just a brief moment, to avoid snap decisions. And we consider what would the other person desire or want or need in this situation. It would change our lives. It would make our lives a lot more peaceful. Yes, there will still be difficulties because sometimes what we need is for someone to do something difficult. But it would revolutionize our relationships. It is a preventative principle because it keeps us from stepping into difficult situations, even sinful situations, with just a moment of thought about the other person or people. And then number three, the golden rule also, also is a productive principle. Now, it's easy to think, you know, all we're looking at is one verse. And so we could just pull this one verse out and say whatever we want to say about it. But it's here that I do want to take a moment and set it back in its context. If you have your Bible open to Matthew 7, just notice what Jesus has said or talked about leading up to this 12th verse. He began chapter 7 talking about judging others. We're told by the words of Christ that we're to judge carefully. 
He's not, judge not, you be not judged. But he says, with the judgment you use, you will be judged. In other words, it's okay to judge, just be careful with it. Realize that when you make a judgment, that's going to be held against you as to how you judge, the measure you use, or the judgment you use. That's in the context. And then Christ turns to the concept of the way God gives. We're told that if our child comes and asks something of us, we're not going to give him something that's different and dangerous. And with that in mind, then in verse 11, Jesus said this, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children when they ask you, how much more will your Father give you good gifts when you ask Him, or to those who ask Him? And then notice that the golden rule begins with the word, therefore, or so. Based upon the concept of judging properly, and based upon the concept of giving like God, that's what the golden rule is built on. Listen to the words of one scholar who is trying to put this in context. He said, The person who practices the golden rule refuses to say or do anything that would harm himself or others. If our judging, the first few verses Matthew 7, is not governed by this principle, we could become proud and critical, and our own spiritual character, character will degenerate. Practicing the golden rule releases the love of God, the giving verses, in our lives, and enables us to help others, even those who want to hurt us. Do you see the connection? This principle is a productive principle because it leads us to act with a proper motive in mind. Now that means at least a couple of things. First of all, very simply, it means we're going to act. We're going to do something. We won't sit back and just let the world go by and never do anything whatsoever because the love that's found within the golden rule leads us to act. I see a situation and I want to step into that situation. But more to our point, we don't just do something out of duty. We won't be doing something just to be doing something. We take more stock of our motives. Love. The desire to see someone come to Christ. The desire to lift someone up to greater faithfulness. The desire to shower someone with the grace of God and the mercy of God. It's those sorts of things that motivate someone to act in the manner of the golden rule. The Everest of ethics. Remember that Paul said that we're to be people who are zealous unto good works. Titus chapter 2 and verse 14. Think about many outcomes of that. When you sin... Don't you want someone to lovingly correct you? Don't you want someone who cares enough to reach out to you and to help you turn from that sin? Then do that for someone else. Be zealous to do it the right way, though. When you're hurting or when you're down in life, don't you want someone to notice that and to share a kind word with you, an encouraging word with you, some act of kindness? Then do that for someone else out of love for their soul and love for their life. When you're having a moment of triumph in life, don't you want someone to take notice of that and to celebrate with you, to rejoice with those who rejoice? Don't you want that in your life? Then find someone who has a reason to rejoice and rejoice with them. Celebrate that good moment in their life with them. Think of the productivity of following this one principle beyond just helping people who are hurting. Think of what would happen if every boss, every employer treated those who are working for him or her in the way that the boss would want to be treated as a worker. Flip the coin over. Think of the change in so many workplaces if employees treated bosses in every respect the way they would want to be treated if they were the boss. Think of how those who are sick would would, would be treated by those in the healthcare field. 
if they treated their patients the way they would want to be treated when they were sick or waiting for a surgery. Think of how many marriages would stay together and stay deeply connected, deeply committed to one another if each spouse was willing to treat the other the way they would want to be treated. Think of how easy it would be to be be an elder in the Lord's church if all members treated every other member as well as the elders as they would want to be treated instead of squabbling over just some little issues from time to time. Think in a political standpoint, would there be any wars whatsoever if nations treat other nations the way they would want to be treated? And think of how many sins would literally be eliminated if people live this principle out. There would be zero pornography. None. There would be nothing like prostitution. Because men and women would not want to put those they love through the emotions that those things lead to. There would be no gambling. Because we want to use our money to to serve others instead of just wasting it all over the place on ourselves all the time. And we could list vice after vice, sin after sin, that would be eliminated if people simply followed this one highest level of ethics. A New York businessman once dropped a dollar into the cup of a man who was selling pencils. And then he hurriedly stepped aboard a subway train. But after thinking for a moment, he stepped back off the subway train, walked over to the beggar and actually took a couple of the pencils. He had just dropped a dollar the first time. And so he went back and, and got the pencils and he stopped for a second and, and apologized and he explained that he, he was in a hurry and just forgot to actually get the goods and I don't want you to be upset with me. And then he said, after all, you are a businessman just like myself. You have merchandise to sell and it's fairly priced. And then he caught the next subway. At a social function a few months later, a very neatly dressed salesman stepped up to this businessman and introduced himself. And he said, you probably don't remember me. And frankly, I don't know your name, but I will never forget you. You are the man who gave me back my self-respect. And the man looked at him with a quizzical face to which the beggar said, I was just a beggar selling pencils until you came along and said, you're a businessman. You see, just for a moment, that person looked at, at a beggar and said, no, he's doing something just like I do, just on a little different level. And how would I want to be treated if I were in this subway station having to sell pencils for a dollar for a living? I would want someone to call me a businessman. So that's how I'm going to treat him. Do you see why this one verse can be described as the Everest of ethics? It is the most proactive the most loving principle anyone could ever give to any human relationship. It is placing others before self and is desiring someone's ultimate greatest good. When we all live that way, we will all be fine. As we close, I want you to listen to the words of Scottish writer William Barclay. He noted a lot of those negative versions of the golden rule that we said at the beginning, don't do as you would not want done to you. And he tried to contrast that with how amazing life would be if we forgot those negative ones and turned to what Jesus said. He wrote these words. It is perfectly possible for a man of the world to observe the negative form of the golden rule. He could, without very serious difficulty, so discipline his life that he would not do to others what he did not wish them to do to him. But the only man who can even begin to satisfy the positive form of the rule is the man who has the love of Christ within his heart. He will try to forgive as he would wish to be forgiven. To help as he would wish to be helped. To praise as he would wish to be praised. To understand as he would wish to be understood. 
He will never seek to avoid doing things. He will always look for things to do. Clearly, this will make life much more complicated. Clearly, he will have much less time to spend on his own desires and his own activities. For time and time again, he will have to stop what he is doing to help someone else. It will be a principle which will, uh, which will dominate his life at home, in the factory, on the bus, in the office, in the street, in the train, at his games, everywhere. He can never do it until self withers and dies within his heart. To obey this commandment, a man must become a new man with a new center to his life. And if the world was composed of people who sought to obey this rule, it would be a new world. I can't say it any better than that. Except to simply go back to what Jesus himself actually said. Therefore, whatever you would that others would do to you, do also to them. For this summarizes the law and the prophets. God, what do you want me to do in this life? Look at other people and say, if I were in their shoes, what would I want done? If I were lost without a Savior, wouldn't I want someone to reach out to me? If I were a Christian but an erring Christian, wouldn't I want someone to reach out to me? If my marriage were were struggling, wouldn't I want someone to reach in with with wisdom and love and kindness and try to help repair that with the love and kindness of Christ? If if I were struggling with temptation, wouldn't I want someone to step in and say, let's get this this together. Let's live the way Christ would have us to live. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But it's as if you're climbing Everest to live out that principle Every day, all the time. Are you willing tonight to say, I'm ready to climb to the mountaintop. I'm ready to climb to the highest possible level of ethical teaching that could ever be given. I am ready to do exactly what Jesus did. That's what it means. To be a follower of His. To follow the golden rule. Tonight, are you a Christian? Have you heard the word of God and believed that it really is true? That the story of Jesus coming to this earth really is the truth and the only way of salvation? Are you willing to turn from those things that are wrong, those sinful things? We call that repentance, to turn around and and to give your life to Christ. Are you willing to confess that Jesus, the one who came to this earth, really is Savior and really is Lord and Lord of your life? And are you willing to submit your will to His by being baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins? Remember that Jesus taught us to count the cost. And part of that cost is, I need to live to that highest ethical standard. But you can do it because He set the example. And you have so many people around you who are willing to help you. Maybe tonight you are a Christian, but you're not living up to that ethical, that highest ethical standard. And you say, you know what? I'm ready to start climbing again. I'm ready to do my best. But I need some prayers of encouragement. Or maybe I need some prayers of forgiveness. Maybe there's some sin that's holding me back as a Christian. And I need to break the chains of that and to move forward. But ultimately I need encouragement to reach out and to really do to others what what I would have done to me. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, or if you're not a faithful Christian,
Will you come as we stand and sing to encourage you?